Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men, and welcome to the Holy Man podcast today. It is great to be with you. We find ourselves in episode 38, and I got a question to let you ponder a little bit as we get into uh, our discussion today. It's not a fun one. What was your biggest mistake that you made in life? Let your mind wander a little bit as you look back over. the From your perspective, maybe from God's perspective... What was your biggest mistake, the biggest oops that you made in life? Maybe it wasn't an oops, maybe it was intentional, but as you look back on it, man, you, it was something that you wish you didn't do. Or maybe that was at that time that you hurt, <clears throat> excuse me, you hurt that person, whether it's physically, emotionally, whatever. The time that you hurt that person, you can see their eyes, their face, you can, yeah, Got that in your mind? <clears throat> Anybody have some of those moments <laughs> or that moment, the big one? It's unfortunate that we all have them. Something that we have done, or maybe it's that thing that we haven't done that maybe we should have done. You know, some of us have made choices. Okay, all of us have made some choices that have hurt others. Some of our bad choices, you know, some of them are still hidden from others. We've we, we know we did it, but others don't. God does, but not other people. We've made some mistakes that others don't even know about. Well, the guy we're looking at today, this is why I want you to be thinking about some of those <laughs> mistakes, those things that we've done in life that, boy, we wish we could go back and change. Because we're, lo- we're looking at a guy this week, and he's a little bit different than the last couple of weeks we looked at. You know, Elijah and Elisha. They were some really cool men, walked with God. They didn't, we don't, we don't see in their story. I'm sure that we know they sinned, but we don't see that being as intentionally part of their story. Well, as we look at, you know, as we look at some other men, we get to see that, man, they're a lot more like us than we, than we really realized. You know, we're going to look at a guy today. He is... Someone that we want to look at, but we have to see his entire story before we fully get why we should be watching him to learn how to be men of holiness. He's a guy who kind of made a bunch of choices in life that hurt a bunch of people, including himself and including his own family. But the cool thing, and this is where I want us to focus on as we go through this, through this day, is to see his transformation to see the change of his heart, how he's growing into being a godly man. 
for many of us, we like this because it's our story, right? Many of us started slow on our Christian journey, or maybe we came fast out of the blocks into our Christian, but boy, we tripped up along the way. And now we're trying to get back into the race. The other cool thing I think is that many of you will be looking into a guy that you haven't possibly spent much time considering in the past. I mean, he's mentioned all throughout the Bible, but his actual story is very short and small. So not many of you know much about his story other than you've heard his name connected to other things in the Bible. His name, who do you think? Do you, anybody have an idea? Somebody who's messed up but yet came a long way. His name is Judah. Anybody know who Judah is? Okay, without Googling it or jumping into your Bible app on your phone, in your own mind, what are three things that you know about Judah's story? You know, maybe who was his dad? Who were his brothers? What things did he do, both good and bad? How and why do we see his name throughout the, throughout the Bible story? If we have read the Bible much, we know his name, but do we know his story? Let me fill in some of those details I just asked you, just to see where he fits in with the story of the Bible. His dad was Jacob. So his granddad was Isaac. His great-granddad was Father Abraham. And Jacob had 12 sons, and they would become the 12 tribal leaders of Israel. Judah was one of those sons. That's where you hear his name most throughout the Bible. We had the tribe of Judah. And that's where Jerusalem was. It's where King David came through. Judah's tribe was a big kahuna tribe amongst all the other tribes of Israel. <clears throat> and as you look at the genealogy in Luke chapter 3, here's something else that you'll see. You will see that Judah is the tribe leader where Jesus came through. So he is an ancestor of Jesus and King David. So big stuff. So what's his story? Well, because of the family he is in, the biggest part of his story coincides with the story of Joseph. Some of you know the name Joseph, and you've maybe heard of some of his story. Well, that's where Judah comes a part of. Judah is one of the brothers who sold Joseph into slavery, and he was also one of the brothers who, after Joseph was in leadership in Egypt, he interacted with Joseph looking for food during a famine. It's those parts of the story that you're going to talk about in your life groups. We're not going to dig into those parts of the stories here much today. <clears throat> if you're not in a life group, then I want you to check out Genesis chapter 37 and then jump down the road a little bit into chapters 42 to 44 to see those parts of Judah's story and just notice how he changes, how he's transformed over this journey that he's on as he walks with God. For today, I want us to peek into a, it's a side story about Judah that we find in Genesis chapter 38. You read this chapter and you ask, how in the world does this fit into the Joseph story that we were just reading? Because that chapter 37, that's part of the Joseph story. And then you get, jump back into it in 39 and following. But it helps us to see the life of Judah, that he, the, the life that he was living while also being part of the Joseph story. So this is a side story when it's just jo Judah and his immediate family. It doesn't involve the brothers. 
So chapter 38, let me just jump into this so you can see what we're talking about. About this time, Judah left home and he moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Harah. And there he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and he gave birth to a son and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Onan. And then she gave birth to a third son. She named him Shelah. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman. They did that back then. They helped arrange marriages. And the the woman's name was Tamar. But Ur, get this part, Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight. So the Lord took his life. Now you're probably thinking, what's up with that? Well, that's a discussion for another day. We don't have time to jump into that piece of it. But now it gets a little bit weird if you don't know the customs or the law of that time. Then Judah, verse 8, Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, Go and marry Tamar, as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. So this is actually something that's written into God's law later on when he gives the law to through Moses. And it's given to protect widows and to provide for them, basically. So it's, it's a loving law. It sounds crazy to us. I get it. But it was a loving law that God gave because widows would have been out on their own. They would have been lost and alone and had nothing. So God takes care of them. Now, this was before, this, this story is before that law ever came about. So it was just the natural law of the land that this is how they did things. But this child would be considered Ur's, the oldest one that died. It would be his child, not Onan's. So how does it play out? Verse 9, Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. Okay, now if that's the law of the land, it's not very righteous, is it? Wonder how did God feel about what Onan was doing? Verse 10 says, but the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you were Judah and you saw a trend with your boys, each boy that marries Tamar is beginning, is dying. How are you going to feel about this? Because technically, Shalah, the next boy in line, should be the next one to Mary Tamar. So how are you feeling about this? Even though it was the right thing to do, it says, then verse 11, then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his first two boys. So Tamar Back into the text, so Tamar went back to live with her father's home. Skipping forward a bit in the story. Let me just catch you up here. Judah's wife, so this is the Judah, the dad. Judah's wife dies, and after mourning, he decides he's going to make a trip. It's sheep shearing time. And for the record, men would sometimes get promiscuous in those journeys, many times looking for a prostitute on the journey to enjoy themselves. Tamar knew that Judah was making the trip. And she also knew the customs of the time. She also knew that Judah 
had not been quick to share his third son with her. So she's wondering what's going on with my life. So she had a plan. She got all prettied up like a prostitute, put on a veil to not be known. And she sat where she knew Judah would find her. So jumping back into the story, verse 15, Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay me to have sex with me, Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, Judah promised. I guess that's the going rate at the time. I don't know. But what will you give me to guarantee? Get this. This is her plan now. What will you give me to guarantee that you'll send the goat? Because he didn't have the goat with him, so he was going to have to send the goat later. So she wanted a guarantee. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. And again, she has a great plan. You're going to see this. She answered, leave me. Leave me your identification seal and its cord and and your walking stick that you're carrying. So Judah gave them to her. She must have been hot or something because he was, he was determined to have sex with her. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Uh-oh. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothes as normal. So she went back to life as normal. Well, needless to say, when Judah tried to get the goat to her and get his things back, well, she had vanished. Nothing that he could do about it. Life went back to normal. Jumping down to verse 24, though. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute. And now, because of this, she is pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. Well, how do you think Judah will react to this situation? Now, let's remember, according to the law, he should have provided his third son for her. But he had not done so. Well, here's what Judah says. Bring her out and let her be burned. Now, he should have stoned her. That was the custom of the time. But he says, let's burn her. Either way, he says, let's kill her. Well, you know, that's the penalty for that sin. So he was keeping with the law of the land for the moment. Now, think about his reaction, though. Not only was he being all high and holy with her sin, but he also saw it as an opportunity. (gasps) to get rid of her so that he didn't have to give his third son to her. Bonus! But don't forget, she had a plan in place. Verse 25. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? (laughs) Can you imagine Judah's face? Can you imagine what he might have said? Crap! (laughs) He was had. Anyone in the room would have recognized his seal and his staff. But here's the big thing for us to see. Here's where we as we, the men who are on a trip of trying to become more and more holy, those of us who have made mistakes in our past, those uh, of us who have hurt others, those of us who who struggle with something in life and keeping and trying to be holy and walking with God, here's where it gets good for us. You know, you think of the many ways he could have responded to what just happened. He could have tried to justify what he did. He could have blamed her. It's her fault. She hid herself. He could have gone ahead and had her killed and helped 
and try to help cover up the sin. He could have done what he did with his brother Joseph. You know, he could have had her sold into slavery. That seemed to work. Well, stay tuned for your life group discussion to see if it actually worked. But here's the thing. Judah in the past, both in this story and in that Joseph story, didn't do the right thing. He went down the wrong path and people, including himself, got hurt because of it. Guys, we all do that in some way and at some time and at some level. We all get things wrong. We all have made some bad choices, especially from God's point of view. But here's the thing we need to learn from Judah. If we're fine staying there in the land of bad choices, or if we get comfortable living that way, we will miss out on a better life because we're going to continue to separate ourselves from God more and more. But if we begin to recognize that we aren't in the right place, when we begin to see that life could be better both for us and for others around us, when we're ready, willing, and able to take a step back towards God, put our faith in God and His way of living, life gets better. And that's what we learn from Judah. We learn to repent, which simply means to turn around, to turn away from those choices that are hurting us and taking us away from God and to step back towards God. Check out how Judah reacts and responds as he grows in holiness. It says in verse 26, Judah recognized these things, his staff and the seal immediately. And he said, she is more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son. You see, he begins here to make better decisions for his life. Decisions that truthfully were not about himself. They were about others, caring more about others than himself. Do you hear the steps that he begins to take towards God and God's ways instead of his own. Do you hear how a man can get things wrong, but God can still use him for good? Guys, there is hope for us. Judah shows us that. And as we continue into the stories of our life group that we're going to look at when he's interacting with Joseph, we're going to see this man continue to take steps into life where he begins to act more and more righteous as he puts more and more trust in God with his actions and how he lives, looking more for others' sakes instead of his own, loving others more than himself, and that allows him to become more and more holy in his walk. There's hope for us, guys, for all of us that have got things wrong in the past. There's, there's hope for us to make better decisions. And the cool thing, if you look at the rest of the story, jumping down to verse 27, when the time came for Tamar to give birth, so Judah got her pregnant. She eventually does give birth. Well, it was discovered that she was carrying twin boys. Twin boys. Yeah, God just blessed this woman. She raised her kids. And and actually, if you look at the history, if you look at the genealogy, it's one of her boys. It's not Shelah. It's not Judah's son that ends up being in the genealogy of Jesus, but it's actually Perez, who is the oldest of Tamar twin, twin boys. So... 
Perez is the one that's in the genealogy. He's the one that's an ancestor of Jesus. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Guys, no matter what you have done or what you maybe have not done that God would love for you to do, no matter how far off God's path you think you presently are, you are never, ever too far that God won't still forgive you and redeem you and walk with you and utilize you for kingdom purposes. The question is always, are we willing to turn to him and to walk with him? He is the God of second and third and fourth and so on chances. It's a journey, guys, an amazing journey towards holiness. So I invite you, no matter where you are, take a step. Ponder in your life, what is maybe something that is a choice that you know is not what God would want you to be doing? Or maybe it's a choice that God would want you to be doing that you just haven't been willing to step into that choice. What is that thing that is not right with you and God yet? Turn around. Look at God. See his love for you. See his grace, his forgiveness for you. And take a step towards him. And find yourself in that better place that God has for you. That's what Judah shows us. That's what Judah shows us as he, he made his bad choices. He recognized it. He realized he wasn't in a good place that God would have him be in. And so he turned around and he took steps towards God. And you know, as you dig into your and the, those scripture passages that we're going to look at in our life groups or you do it on your own, you're going to see this man continuing to do that continuing to learn what it looks like to walk more and more with God. Guys, it's a journey. It's a holy life journey. And we're all on that journey together. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week.